My name is Andrew Kays, and I'm the pastor at Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church of Paynes Point. That's in rural Oregon, Illinois. You're about to hear me preach. Now, this episode was recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, during which time public worship has been disrupted. We don't have it every Sunday. Therefore, all sermons have been recorded ahead of time to make them available online. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture is NRSV, used under the gratis policy of the copyright holder, the National Council of Churches. The Holy Gospel, according to St. John, the 12th chapter. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace and peace to you, sisters and brothers in Christ. Wouldn't you know that of all the myriad of assignments and papers I had in seminary, one that stands out clearest in my mind was on this text, and it sticks out in my mind because it was knocked down an entire grade. See, we were supposed to address whether or not the anointing of Jesus oil or perfume poured over him, changed Jesus? Did it do something to him? And since it was a question, I thought it best to give my honest opinion, which was no, it did not. And I guess my opinion was wrong or poorly uh, defended because (laughs) my answer got it knocked down an entire grade rather explicitly. So uh, in hindsight, I kind of get it. Why would each gospel writer include a story like this if it didn't mean much? The author's original audience and early church must have thought it was pretty important, which might imply something changed in those moments. The way John tells it, it's very expensive perfume, and he includes a lot of foreshadowing of Jesus' death, even in this short reading, like Judas will soon betray Jesus. One use for perfume was it's to treat corpses. In fact, the women will find an empty tomb on their way to tend to Jesus' body as such. Perhaps as this moment signals Jesus' impending death, it somehow prepares him for it. Indeed, after Judas expresses his disdain, Jesus comes to her defense. That perfume was meant for his own burial. There will always be poor people around who could use our help, but they will not always have Jesus there in the flesh. Even more foreshadowing. Well, there's something there that sounds different. Jesus throughout the Gospels very rarely glorifies himself. Though he operates as authoritative teacher and powerful healer, he keeps the audience's eyes focused elsewhere. Jesus calls our attention usually to two places. To the here and now, as in repent, love your neighbor, get your affairs in order. And then the hereafter, love God, expect the resurrection, and prepare for eternity. 
No coincidence then that Jesus says the two greatest commands are to love God and love neighbor. And for much of his ministry, he models and instructs on how to heed those calls. Think of them as underlying values for the church, for Christians. It's who we are. It's what we want to do. Love God, love neighbor. Those values manifest differently in different contexts. What it means to love God and love neighbor might not be the same in this time and place as it was in a different time and place. Okay, so back to where Jesus calls our attention. Again, he never takes the me, me, me route. And that's how Lent started. When tested, the devil asked Jesus to consider serving himself, being served by the world, and being served by angels. And he rejected each temptation. He was only there to serve others. But in this moment, it's as though Jesus' mind has been changed, that it would be okay for some to focus on him as teacher and friend, to serve him as such. It's okay for them to give something up, to love he who has no need, even though there are needful neighbors right outside. What could prompt such an apparent change that it's always Jesus serving others to now it's okay to serve Jesus? Well, what we have here in this moment, in those moments as they're gathered at Lazarus's house, it would be something special to be cherished. Mary's grateful to Jesus for having raised Lazarus. Jesus is aware of his impending death. Anointing Jesus with perfume imposes upon him a reality that we are all hit with every now and again. Life is precious. It's too short, so do not squander the time you have together. Those ideas would have hung heavy in the room. With that comes the fact that these friends and disciples whom he loves, they will soon face the most difficult trial of their lives too. It's a special moment of beloved people gathered together and Jesus knows things are about to get rough. So let me walk back the idea a little bit that Jesus may have changed his mind or priorities or our focus. Instead, it's the change in circumstance and how that's become clear with the values of love God and love neighbor now manifesting differently. For that moment, in that context, Jesus justifies Mary using up resources, honoring him in the flesh, because this is what she, but also Martha and Lazarus, need. She was expressing gratitude at the same time as enacting a ritual that would help each of them face Jesus' death. We engage in ritual broadly so that life is not just one day after another. We mark important transitions and events with meaningful traditions and practices. If giving up this something valuable just to beautify that moment, just for that time together, is enough to help them, help them express gratitude and then help them cope and grieve and move ahead with their lives, if it helps in those ways, then it's money well spent. If giving of ourselves is an expression of love, then it follows that what and how to give and to whom is a matter of circumstance. And there is a lot to consider. What is best for your neighbor and community is a top priority, of course, but it's not always material needs. Sometimes it's the mental, emotional, and spiritual side of things, and those are important too. Sometimes what's given is an object of symbolic or sentimental value, but sometimes it's our time or our energy or maybe it's just plain old money. And where does that leave us? 
You know, we're not face-to-face with the incarnate Christ. We, we're not going to be in a circumstance like this. But this question of how to best love neighbor using the resources we have is something we should consider often. Again, because it's our underlying value to love neighbor. It plays into why we do what we do when it comes to worship as well. And giving up something with monetary value as a way to honor God and support the community, uh, you know, the same way Mary was supporting her community, we support ours. There's some parallels here from the anointing of Jesus to the way we give offerings in worship. We inherited the practice of sacrifice and offering as kind of an assumed default. That's how the Jewish people had always done it. And it's how Israel supported its priests and its temple, believing those things were important to support. Then, as now, such sacrifices support society as a whole, too. At the same time, Jesus had an awful lot to say about offerings. He emphasized giving out of our means, lauding the widow who gave two cents over the wealthiest patrons who gave a small portion of what they had. As we've seen twice already in Lent, Jesus paired the offering with reconciliation as a prompt to go be reconciled to your siblings. There's no buying your way into reconciliation with God. Repentance and forgiveness should be found in your own life too. They all get intertwined. Then perhaps most profoundly of all, Jesus said where our treasure goes, so there too will our hearts be found. It's not just that we give our time, talent, and resource to things which matter to us. It's that our hearts, our minds, our lives, will actually conform to the thing we give to. So if what the church universal represents and what your local congregation does, if those are the kind of values you want for your life, directing your life, then giving to them is a crucial step. It's an important part of taking those values in for yourself. So Jesus gives us some instruction that's pretty well practical so that offerings are even more beneficial than just the gift given impacting us and our community on a personal level that tends to these other needs as well, not just the material ones. Well, let's turn back to the anointing of Jesus for a moment because there's two more parallels that reveal or refine those practical advantages too. First, Mary's act of reckless generosity was warranted because it would help her and those gathered cope with what was to come. It was a way to use those resources to tend to their social, emotional, and spiritual needs. When it comes to giving to a church, and this may apply to some degree to other organizations or communities, it's partly about making whatever it is that we as a church offer to our community, making that available to our friends and family. It's not just about ourselves. It's not just what did I get out of my experience with church. It's about all of us. And it's about making that which we offer available to those who could never afford it otherwise. In other words, that underlying value, the call to love neighbor, is manifest in this way on Sunday morning. Second, and finally, a parallel here between Mary and us, ritual breaks us out of ruts. It gives meaning to what otherwise might feel mundane. It would be hard to overstate how important that is. Your spiritual health depends on this sense that you matter and what you do matters and what you're part of matters. 
ritual, the sort of traditions the church sets forth, help make that apparent. Offering and worship is a ritual. It takes the common, if not mundane, act and gives it a spiritual element. It adds weight and meaning to our generosity. For the sake of our own spirituality, we are aware that this is something we do together for each other and to honor and love God in worship. In other words, here that underlying value, the call to love God, is manifest in this way on Sunday morning. Mary's offering did both, love neighbor, love God. I'm not so sure we can identify some way in which Jesus was changed or changed his mind or changed his mission. In other words, I'd, I'd probably still have my grade knocked down one uh, if I wrote that paper today. But we can see how the anointing of Jesus changed the situation, changed Mary, and affected those around her. Perhaps that's how our offerings work as well. We can't always point to a way in which God was changed when we give of ourselves, our time, talent, or resources, as though we could change God, <laughs> manipulate God through sacrifice. But we can see how it changes us and our situations, our lives. God calls us to give as such for God's sake, yes, but also for the sake of the world and even for our own sake. Generosity, giving of ourselves in these ways, it's just so beneficial for so many. So we ritualize it. We do it each week. We call attention to it because it's that important. That's why we do what we do. Thanks for listening. I pray God spoke to you in some way. A quick note at the end here, which you can skip if you've heard it before. The audio of my sermons does not always include proper citations. While I do some self-study and lean on my seminary education, I also lean on my colleagues with whom we have a regular text study. I also use Luther Seminary's Working Preacher website and their podcast, Sermon Brainwave. Some credit is due to at least one of those sources. Wherever you are, whenever you hear this, please be well. Take care of yourself and each other, and have a great rest of the week.